My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our show will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined on today's show by Kerry Tottingham, Chartered Management Institute Certified Coach and Mentor. Uh, Kerry, very warm welcome to yourself and thanks for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure, Kerry. And uh, just, of course, uh, to kind of uh, shed some light on things for those listeners that might not be familiar with you, um, you founded Brilliant Thing, didn't you? A coaching and design thinking yeah. practice. And um, what are some of the organisations that you sort of work for and what is the kind of thing that you do with these organisations to sort of really build them up and sort of make that culture better? Yeah, so I generally work with charities and public sector teams although I also work with some purpose-led businesses. Um, Anybody that's trying to make a a difference in the world, really. And I often work with arts organisations and um, mental health organisations as well. And the work that I do is really around strategy design and culture making. So by those two things, I mean the the planning, the the kind of goals and the objectives and the difference we want to make in the world. Um, but also combining that with culture making, which is really thinking about the people that are involved in the work that we do, both our clients, customers, and our, our staff um, and leaders as well. So it's really important that we that we lay the foundations and, and kind of create the conditions for brilliant work to flourish. And that's where the culture making comes in, which, which involves coaching and supporting the, the humans at the heart of the work, really. Yeah, absolutely right. And we'll go on to the importance of, you know, laying those foundations in culture uh, very shortly. But just before we get on to that, Kerry, um, I'd just like to kind of understand a little bit more about sort of your journey behind sort of building the organisation that you built. Um, You do have a background, of course, in arts coordination. So how was it that you kind of made that transition from that sort of career into the, uh, the coaching side of things? Did you always have an idea that was going to be the path for you? Um, so I started in in work as an artist. So I did a lot of arts education work, which was all around, it was kind of arts activism, really. It was all around education, around health and global issues, um, but using creativity and art to, to communicate a message or to help people understand the concept. Um, and I'm still doing that, really, just in a slightly different way, I suppose. So I moved from art, um, art delivery into arts management and then charity management NHS um, and some leadership positions in the kind of public sector charity world, um, and uh, through through all of those um, different different career paths, um, I suppose the coaching, the working with people, the understanding communities, um, the listening, the the creativity has been has been spread throughout all those all those different positions, and brilliant thing. Um, it started a couple of years ago, just as a, a blog, a space for me to think um, and to, to try out some of my design ideas and strategy ideas. Um, and it's grown. We're, we're actually about to become a CIC as well, mm. which is really exciting. So we're moving into another phase of the business um, from from the end of the year, hopefully. 
and that's fantastic and I'm sure that's something that we'll certainly get onto in a little bit more detail sort of later on in the uh, the show um, obviously moving on to uh, culture now and talking about sort of the importance of that um, we hear a lot don't we that um, you know the hallmarks of a successful business include a strong business culture but sort of from your perspective mm-hmm. Carrie what does the right business culture actually look like Sure. So I think we often hear the horror stories of culture. So we hear Mm. the word toxic. um, We hear people leaving jobs because of the work culture. We hear that most often, actually, rather than the work Mm. that they're doing. And when I um, transitioned out of PIYE employment, I had lots of conversations with people. And and I actually didn't leave my job because I hated it or because there was... um, anything fundamentally wrong it was it was that I was setting up my business um but the fact that you've left the job opens up um space for lots of conversations about other people leaving jobs and why Mm. and I had maybe 20 or 30 conversations in my first month working full-time on Brilliant Thing around culture or the culture was the topic that came up and I really wanted to explore that topic further and I created an event called Culture Camp. And for that event, I, I recorded conversations with, I think, about 30 people in the end from all different backgrounds, different professions, um, different sectors. And there were some really clear themes that came up. Um, so one of them was around taking all the people that you're interacting with as, as the real people that they are um, mm. and not a homogenized group. So... Often in in organisations, we work with one particular team in one way and another in another way, and it's those differences. um, And sometimes those can be, you might have heard of microaggressions or kind of small differences in how we interact with people, the privileges that we give people, um, the benefits maybe, the the opportunities to to exert power over a situation. Um, And I think it's, it's not that we can't have that within an organization but we need to be doing it consciously we need to be really aware of how we're treating the individuals and the things that come up the most are people feeling valued people feeling um important in their work people feeling that they have opportunities to influence the decisions around them and again that might it might not be possible for everybody to influence all the decisions all of the time but it should be possible to create a space where everybody has the opportunity to share their opinions and to um, to be accountable for, for some things as well. So it's not just about telling people what to do. It's, it's about taking leadership roles across organisations in whatever team or role you happen to be in. Mm. And I guess it's also about sort of being flexible as a leader, isn't it? Understanding that, you know, one sort of leadership approach or strategy, let's say, isn't going to work for everybody. Every individual is different. So mm. rather than sort of lead the team as, like I say, that sort of one entity is, as you put it, it's um, it's about kind of recognising the individual in that, isn't it? And making sure that, you know, you're flexible Absolutely. to each one of those and sort of, you know, giving them yeah. the tools that they need to thrive, I guess. Mm. And I can remember really two really distinct, uh, experiences of that. So, as a when I was a sort of newish leader, and my my preferred leadership style is very um, supportive and collaborative. And I remember I had a new person join our team, and she said, um, "I don't I don't want to make any decisions. I just want to be told what to do." <laughs> and she'd come from a place where she'd had to 
holds a lot of responsibility more mm. than you know she was really paid to do and and actually didn't want that so I wanted somebody else to to take that leadership and I remember being quite surprised and thinking oh I don't don't quite know how to do this because, <laughs> because I've never done it before so they had to learn to adapt to that and and then actually over time when when she realized that she wasn't going to have a load of work dumped on her if she, if she took some leadership roles she really became a leader in her position as well um and I remember another time working with somebody um who has Asperger's and she was also um she was had some really fantastic qualities but you had to find them um and once there was the the opportunity for those those to shine through and then we could adapt the work around those she really um found her place in the team and and was really supported and, and respected by other team members um but it took a while of of, of conversation and spending time with her of, of reflecting on things together to re- to really find where where that place was within within the team for her. Mm. And I do think that sort of taking that time to kind of step back and self-reflect is incredibly important when it comes to culture, isn't mm. it? And building the uh, the right one, it is certainly important. And we've seen sort of the value of that, I guess, during the uh, the pandemic over the last couple of years, haven't we? Where the lockdown gave a lot of business leaders the chance to sort of sit and think, like, right, which direction am I going to take my business in? How do we pivot? And mm. they've used that as a real positive springboard, which is which is certainly good to see. Um, we've talked about kind of the uh, the typical hallmarks then of um, a positive culture and how it comes to valuing people and I suppose you can't really understate the importance of that because we've heard a l- the, the term the great resignation coined an awful lot as well in the last yeah. couple of years haven't we and I think it's because people are becoming more realigned with sort of purpose aren't they now I mean they're, they're more aware of their own mortality and the fact that well why am I here why am I doing this job if I'm not happy and I want to go and do something that aligns with sort of my view on things and I suppose if leaders don't move with the time and don't show that you know they're valuing their teams and their the people that they have um, at their disposal as individuals then clearly there's going to be a problem there in the recruitment side of things yeah. recruitment and retention yeah absolutely and I think in the leadership roles that I've done I've done my best leadership work when I've almost not focused on the work that we're doing mm. and focus more on the team and i I absolutely believe if you look after the team the good work will happen um but that takes a bit of a it's a bit of a risky thing to do that you know as a leader you obviously want to be creating success creating impact creating positive work and if you're not controlling that if you're trusting your team um and and the behaviors in your team to be able to create that then then it can feel like a risk um, so I think in terms of the the resignation, there's there's often it's the things that don't get said mm. um, by leaders. It's the things that don't get said by members of staff that cause that kind of simmering simmering resentment, maybe or all those kind of issues. So, and I also think as a leader, I've seen a number of situations when I'm coaching teams and coaching organisations where the leader is has a has a style of leadership which is um maybe a little bit more backseat mm. so really wanting to support the team and the team create the work as i've said but at the same time aren't sharing their passions and aren't sharing 
um, the impact that they want to make and their their voice um, for the organisation. And and often teams are crying out for that. So they want they want the leaders to stand up and say, "This is what we believe in. This is what we're doing. I trust you. We, you know, we're, let's do it together." Um, and so, so I think there's there's the collaborative, but then there's also the the voice in the room that needs to be needs to be there. Mm. And that's really important, isn't it? Because when we think about sort of how businesses and organisations can slide into that sort of maybe toxic leadership culture that we talked about at the, mm. uh, at the beginning, it sometimes is those small details, isn't it, that really makes the difference. It's not necessarily what's done that's done badly. It's almost what's not done, isn't it? The absence of that voice, yeah. for instance, like you've just said. And there are, there are many, many little common traps like that, aren't there, that business leaders can sort of unknowingly fall into. And when it comes mm. to positions like this where they might you know sort of appoint an executive coach to work with them they may be challenged on things that they may never have thought about and may never have anticipated would be an issue yeah and that can be tricky you know um and i think again it's the it's creating the conditions for that feedback Mm. to be heard or for that conversation to happen so i talked a little bit about risk and um, about safety and i think the the kind of fundamentals of a, a conversation that's going to maybe trigger some emotions or bring some stuff up the situation around that is so important so where are you having the conversation how have you prepared for it how has the other person been prepared for it um how do you allow for emotion i think often emotion is seen as you know not professional or there's, there's often um you know women can be seen to be more emotional and sometimes that's not particularly wanted or mm. that but I think there's a power in being your speaking your truth and saying how you feel um and and expressing an emotion so I think we need to create space for that as well so I'm finding this really difficult because of the previous situation I, I recognize that that's not the situation now but I just want to tell you that it's bringing up these things for me and so I might find um this, I might need to express a few emotions in this conversation. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's that kind of that kind of stepping back from the situation and really working through it with with the individual that you're feeding back to. And as a coach, you know, there's some coaching skills around giving feedback that are really mm. valuable when we're working with teams and groups. Absolutely. And um, do you think that there's been sort of real progress in that area, certainly since the pandemic as well, because much like we've become far more aware of our own sort of, you know, health and well-being, I think we're more willing, aren't we, to talk about sort of mental health and when we're sort of not feeling 100% in the workplace. So has that provided a springboard to sort of have these conversations sort of more often and in sort of a better way, better conditions to have them in? Yeah, I think so. I think within the, the public sector and the charity sector and kind of health world that I operate in, there is certainly a recognition that um, teams and staff wellbeing is vital. Mm. Um, and there's a, a growing recognition that people want to work in places where they are supported. Um, I think there's still a little bit of a way to go, particularly if we have a um, maybe a public sector team who are delivering a service to support customers or clients' health. I think we often have to think about how are we doing that for our people as well. 
and, and sometimes with public sector things, you know, the, the, the staff and the clients may work and live in the same communities. You know, it's the same, it's the same people. And I think there is still a bit of a us and them kind of attitude um, that needs to be broken down a little bit more. Um, and you'll often find members of staff, you know, burning out, working to the end of their energy mm. um, to help people. Compassion fatigue, I'm sure, and and this kind of idea of um, needing to fill up the cup that we pull from. That's not the quote, but <laughs> there's a similar quote out there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's more awareness. There's maybe still a way to go in in terms of what the real practical action around that is. And we've heard a lot that that having a a team yoga session <laughs> doesn't mm. help. It's it's that ongoing kind of um, support that, that needs to be available. Yeah, it's not just the uh, the short term sort of intensive intervention that's needed, is it? It's that soft touch, longer term approach. I think that's very, very right. And I think it only serves as well that we look a little bit more into the uh, the future just before we, we wrap up, Kerry. And uh, you've obviously talked about the fact that obviously you've got big plans for, for your business. I mean, with the hopefully CIC status uh, by the end of the, uh, the year. So it sounds like really exciting times. So um, let's say fast forwarding a year from now, I mean, uh, where do you sort of see yourself in the uh, the business? And uh, what are you going to be focusing on when it comes to sort of helping your clients get over some of these common culture traps? Mm. Well, for the business, first of all, so um, the CIC is uh, me, my two sisters and my mum. So mm. we have, we've always had this idea of the Bertram family dream. So we're a family of um, HR professionals and therapists and coaches. And I think the, um, the Bertram family dream is, is brilliant thing as the CIC, where we'll be utilising all of those skills because I think the you know coaching is not very far away from therapy strategy design is not very far away from well-being mm. and our work is to close those gaps so we can't create an amazing plan without thinking about the people that are going to execute that plan we can't create a strategy without talking to the people that are going to benefit from that strategy or be impacted on by that strategy so I think there's some campaigning work ahead um, thinking about some of those concepts and, and you know, speaking about them, speaking about the work that we're doing um, in the public realm so that we can start to influence some of those views around these, these different ways of working. Um, and we'd love to work with some um, more charities. We, we love working with small charities, actually, those ones that are that started off really reacting to a problem mm. and are now in the position where they they want to sustain and um, become a bit more robust so that they can continue with their services. And then we're also starting to work with businesses and creating a bit of a cyclical model where um, businesses, we work with them to help develop their corporate social responsibility aims or their social impact aims. Um, We know that that helps with things like staff retention and with um, reputation and customer loyalty for businesses. it's been documented that businesses that have social purpose aims make more money. Um, But they don't often know how to do that in a meaningful way that actually makes a difference. So by connecting them up with some of the small charities that we work with um, and funding those small charities to have that long-term coaching development work, um, we create a bit of a cycle of contribution. Um, So we're, we're working on plans for that for the new year as well. 
It all sounds really exciting and it's a fantastic mission, of course, sort of helping these sort of small charitable organisations really, you know, sort of spread their wings and really take off because that that phase, isn't it, where you're sort of looking to become more robust and kind of scale is mm. always challenging from sort of any perspective, whether you're running a business, running an organisation, running a non-profit. Um, so, yeah, Kerry, yeah. wish you all the luck in the world in executing that to the, uh, the best possible effect and... Um, I'd actually relish the opportunity to welcome you back onto the show at some point in the next year just to see how it's all coming together for you and those organisations you work with. That'd be great. Thank you, Scott. It's been lovely chatting with you. Likewise, Kerry, it's been fantastic to uh, to catch up with yourself as well. And uh, hopefully, of course, um, we'll be welcoming you onto the show again in the uh, in the future. And uh, just, of course, for anybody listening into this programme that, you know, might uh, have their own comment to make on the issues that we have discussed today, uh, you can do so via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us if you'd like to do that. Or if you have uh, your own view on this matter to bring directly to the discussion table or indeed on any topical matter and issue of interest to you then you too can apply to be on our show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply as well uh, for now it's been my pleasure to welcome brilliant things Kerry Tottingham onto today's show and once again Kerry uh, do take care and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon Thank you. And to all of the listeners tuning into today's programme, I've been your host on the Leaders' Council podcast today, Scott Chaloner. And until next time, all take care and goodbye.